This is Breaking Free from the Grind. I'm your host, certified life coach, Columbia MBA, and former Fortune 500 strategy consultant and Wall Street investment banker, Amelia Noel. After spending over a decade caught in the grind of finance and consulting, I'm here to help you break free from the mental grind of your career and develop the mindset you need to feel better at work and figure out what you want so you can create a life you fucking love. You ready? Let's go. Hi guys, welcome back to Breaking Free from the Grind, coming back at you this glorious Friday here in New York City. I know this weather is a total tease that we're having because we've only just kicked off March, but I am loving this sunshine and elements of spring. I'm looking ahead at the forecast. It's showing a high of 70 degrees this Sunday and 50s and 60s next week. And I am loving every minute of it. I hope that wherever you're listening in from, you're also getting to enjoy some nice weather or a little hint of spring. I feel like the change here in New York City is actually perfectly timed because I actually just started training for a half marathon this past week. And so I'm going to be running outside five days a week for the next three months. And so it was so nice to just get out there and enjoy the beauty and go on a run, not have it be in like six inches of snow And I imagine we have a lot of half marathoners or marathoners that listen in, you know, because that overachieving brain, right? And so I'm sure you guys can relate to what I'm saying about it being so exciting to finally be able to be able to run outside in nice weather. In terms of this half marathon, so I've only done one other half marathon in my life. It was back in 2019 when I was in business school and I flew out to LA with some friends and ran my first half there. And that was a great experience uh, for sure. This next one, though, that I'm doing, I'm actually even more excited about because it's the Cleveland Half Marathon. So Cleveland, Ohio, my hometown, happening at the end of May. And the reason I'm so excited about it is because I've actually been organizing a group of friends from all walks of life. People from New York City, from business school, from undergrad, from Missouri, from childhood and, you know, in Cleveland, and everyone's going to converge and run this Cleveland half or be part of the cheer squad. We're all going to get together and just have a really fun weekend. I have so much Ohio pride and I'm so excited and actually quite impressed with myself that I was able to get a group together, especially the New York City crew. We're going to have about like 12 to 15 people and Everyone descend upon Cleveland and experience the best of the Midwest. We have a run squad. We have a cheer squad. We're all in a WhatsApp group together. And it's been so fun because we've been sharing pics from the routes that we've been running during this full week of training because the weather has been so nice. So, so excited personally that it's starting to feel like spring Hopefully it's starting to feel like spring wherever you're listening in from. And as much as I could go on and on about the weather, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. (laughs) Um, I'm actually really excited. So for the next three episodes, I'm going to be doing a series that's all focused on overcoming imposter syndrome in your career. So I'm going to jump right in. 
and talk about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome and how to overcome imposter syndrome is one of the hottest topics that I coach my one-on-one clients on. And because this is such a big and important topic that I coach on and that so many of you I know are dealing with on a regular basis, I'm going to break up this discussion into three different episodes, so three parts in a series, if you will. Today's episode is going to focus solely just on what imposter syndrome is, so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Then next week's episode will be all about imposter syndrome myths that society perpetuates and the the truth, the real truth behind those myths. And then in two weeks, I'm going to focus on sharing and teaching you some tools and strategies, the exact same tools and strategies that I use with my one-on-one clients to help you overcome imposter syndrome in your own career. Now, each episode in this three-part series will help you overcome imposter syndrome starting right now. And I know that you're going to be able to do this, that you will be able to work through imposter syndrome, start feeling more confident and more certain at work, because what I'm going to share with you, the understanding and the facts and the mindset-based tools and strategies you need, all of the stuff I'm going to be sharing with you, you haven't yet been taught this or you've never been taught this in your universities or in your MBA programs or during onboarding weeks at your firm or in your orientation week during on-the-job training to overcome imposter syndrome. It's funny, I like to say the apprenticeship model (laughs) for those of you that work in finance, I'm sure you can appreciate that phrase, but the apprenticeship model, if you will, for learning how to overcome imposter syndrome is coaching. It's knowing how to coach yourself through it, which is why imposter syndrome is what I work with when I coach so many of my one-on-one clients. And it's what why I focus so much on overcoming imposter syndrome with my own coach and in my own career when I was working in consulting and working in banking and now even as an entrepreneur. Because here's what it all boils down to. Imposter syndrome is an inside job. Meaning finally feeling like you're good enough, whether it's at school or at your internship or in your career, has nothing to do with external things like your degrees, the company names on your resume, or your previous work experience, and everything to do with how you choose to think about yourself and what you're capable of. In fact, people who appear the most successful by external standards, meaning things like education and background or pedigree or salary or title, those people are often the most plagued by feelings of self-doubt and fraud. And external validation in the form of stellar job performance reviews or compliments from our MDs and our partners or even our family, our friends, our peers, our colleagues, that won't do anything to change how you feel about yourself and what you're capable of from the inside. All of my one-on-one clients kill it at their jobs and everyone around them agrees. They're working at top firms, They come from great schools, they're making a lot of money, they're getting promoted, they're getting excellent performance reviews. And despite all of this, so many of them very much believe common thoughts about themselves that are associated with imposter syndrome, such as, I'm just lucky, I'm not good enough to be here, 
it's only a matter of time before people find out that I don't belong here. And everyone in this room or on this team is 10 times smarter than me. So the reason why it's so important to learn how to overcome imposter syndrome right now, wherever you are, whatever point you're at in your career, is that these feelings of fraud and self-doubt are created by the thoughts that you have about yourself. So thoughts like everyone in this room or on the team is 10 times smarter than me, or I'm just lucky, or I'm not good enough. And these feelings, this self-doubt and this insecurity and this fraudulence that we feel, those feelings will only continue to get worse the more outwardly successful you are and the higher you rise in your career. If the problem, if the issue is not addressed at the source, which is at your mindset level and understanding What is it that you're thinking about yourself right now? And how can we start forming new beliefs about who you are and what you're capable of? Because again, imposter syndrome is an inside job. And so in order to truly ditch that deep-seated self-doubt and the worrying and the second-guessing for good, you need to know how to develop the mindset you need to believe in yourself and in your unlimited potential in your career. I want to start off by just level setting about what imposter syndrome is and what it's not so that you can start to understand the difference between imposter syndrome and just run-of-the-mill self-doubt, which also doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great to doubt our capabilities or our skills, but I want to get really clear on the difference between imposter syndrome and run-of-the-mill self-doubt because understanding this is actually the first step to then learning how to manage imposter syndrome effectively. Let's go basic Let's start with a good old Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of imposter syndrome, which is described as an internal experience of intellectual phoniness that those who feel fraudulent and worthless have in spite of outstanding accomplishment. So there it is again, right? Those of us who have the most external validation, who appear the most successful by external standards, actually suffer from this feeling of fraudulence and worthlessness the most. There's also Sheryl Sandberg's more colloquial definition of imposter syndrome, which I also love, which is very capable people being played by (laughs) self-doubt. But again, imposter syndrome goes far beyond mere self-doubt or merely lacking confidence. It's actually something that impacts us at a deeper identity level. So let's talk about this difference between imposter syndrome and self-doubt. Imposter syndrome impacts us at an identity level. And your identity, it's simply your current collection of thoughts about yourself. I want to say that again because the first time I really let this definition of my identity sink in It completely changed my life and my career because it completely transformed how I started thinking and seeing myself. Your identity is simply your current collection of thoughts about yourself. I don't belong here. 
everyone in this room is 10 times smarter than me. I'm not good enough. I'm the worst person here. Those are all examples of thoughts you have about yourself. So the identity that you're currently creating with those thoughts and by choosing to keep believing and thinking those thoughts is that you don't belong. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You are the worst. Essentially that you are an imposter in your career. Now with imposter syndrome, there's also a mismatch between how you're seeing yourself, again, identity, thoughts about yourself, and who you think you need to be to actually be good enough or smart enough or to belong in your company, in your career, in your current position. Here's what's interesting though. Your brain has no idea what good enough or smart enough to belong in a particular company, in a particular job, in a particular role actually means. It has not defined that, but it has convinced you that whatever good enough or smart enough does mean You are not it, or you don't have it, and you're never going to have it. Again, even though your brain has never even defined what it is. So it's a game that you can't win. Now, self-doubt, in contrast to imposter syndrome, self-doubt is focused on your skills and your abilities, not your identity. So not who you are as a human being, like imposter syndrome is focused on. Self-doubt is a mismatch between your current knowledge or ability or skill set and the knowledge or the skill set or the ability that you think you need to achieve a goal. So for example, let's say your ultimate goal is to make partner at your firm one day, and you obviously are going to have thoughts about whether or not you can achieve this goal, what achieving this goal will look like, what it will mean, what it will feel like, or what it will entail. So a thought such as, I don't have the network I need to make partner, is a thought that creates the feeling of self-doubt. You're doubting that your existing network or your current ability to create a network that you think you'll need to make partner is lacking. That is self-doubt. Whereas a thought such as, I'm not good enough to make partner, or I'll never be good enough to make partner, is an example of imposter syndrome. You are doubting your inherent worthiness as a human being, your inherent being good enough, not a certain skill like the ability to network or create a network. That's imposter syndrome. I want to give some more examples just of common thoughts that perpetuate imposter syndrome and contrast those with thoughts that perpetuate run-of-the-mill, mere self-doubt. So a thought that's grounded and rooted in imposter syndrome is, I'm not good enough. Whereas a thought grounded in self-doubt could be, I don't know how to do this. A thought that perpetuates imposter syndrome is, who am I to get the promotion, get the job, be at the top of my class, get promoted to partner? Versus a thought that perpetuates mere self-doubt is, 
I don't know if I can do this. Another thought that perpetuates imposter syndrome, I'm just lucky. Versus thought rooted in self-doubt is I got here through hard work. And lastly, another thought that might be common if you're suffering from imposter syndrome is what if they find out that I don't belong versus a thought that perpetuates mere self-doubt is I don't know as much as I should. Notice in the contrast that imposter syndrome sounds like thoughts you have about who you are as a human being, not about what you can do or know how to do. Here are two other important things to know about imposter syndrome. Again, so we can start to understand what it really is, which is the first step to learning how to manage it. Point two, telling yourself (laughs) when you're feeling like a fraud, when you're feeling like you're not good enough or that you don't belong, to just fake it until you make it only will make you feel worse. If you're already feeling like a fraud, let's think about this. If you're already feeling like a fraud, telling yourself to fake something or fake anything really is the worst thing you can do. You're basically layering feelings of fraudulence on top of feelings of fraudulence. So I feel so often we'll hear this phrase, fake it until you make it, just thrown out as a way, you know, just do it, right? Just fake it until you make it. Fake it until you feel worthy. Fake it until you feel smart enough. Fake it until you feel like you're not lucky and that you actually earn your place here. Not going to work. It actually just makes us doubt ourselves as human beings more and increases our feelings of fraudulence more. So not good advice. And hopefully that's helpful to hear. So if you've heard that piece of advice and you've had an adverse reaction to it, or you tried to implement it and you felt like you even a bigger of a fraud, you're not alone. You're not doing anything wrong. It's shitty advice. (laughs) The last thing you need to know about imposter syndrome is not talking about imposter syndrome only makes you feel worse. And the reality is that imposter syndrome is not talked about today in environments like the corporate world, in finance, in consulting, at MBA programs, in your undergraduate programs. What's fascinating is that recent studies done on imposter syndrome show that over 70% of women and men, both genders, I'm calling that out so that we can debunk, which will come up next week, debunk this myth that women experience imposter syndrome more than men. I coach both men and women, and I can tell you that is 100% not true. And that's actually quite dangerous to keep perpetuating that myth. More on that next week. But anyway, going back to this idea that 70% of both women and men reported feeling some level of imposter syndrome daily. And this was a corporate-based study. So think of it this way. That means that seven out of 10, or at least seven out of 10 people CC'd on that project team email thread, at least seven out of 10 people on the Zoom call you're about to hop on, and at least seven out of 10 people that you've emailed at some point today are experiencing 
have experienced or are going to experience feeling like a fraud today. Yet, when is the last time you actually heard your team lead or your MD or your partner or your company even talking about imposter syndrome. It's like the corporate world wants to pretend that it doesn't exist, which means that we all just suffer in silence. And what's even more fascinating is that in those recent studies I mentioned that found over 70% of men and women actually experience imposter syndrome daily, it was incredibly difficult for the researchers who conducted that study to get companies to distribute surveys that would give them data on imposter syndrome. Because what they found when they were first engaging companies is that there was so much hesitation around even administering these surveys to employees because managers and partners and firms didn't want to know how many people on their teams were feeling like they were good enough or like a fraud. They didn't want to know how many people were second guessing their abilities. And also just on the individual level, it's a really hard thing to admit, right? It's scary to talk about how you feel like you're not good enough. It's scary to talk about how you feel like you don't belong and that you just got lucky, right? We think of it sort of like career suicide. That's very much what it feels like, especially when you're working in highly competitive environments and high pressure environments where perfectionism and competence and confidence, at least externally, is demanded, like finance and consulting. We believe that if we show, quote unquote, weakness, by openly talking about how we don't feel good enough to be here, that we are going to tank our career. And so then people are going to hear that and start to doubt us. So it makes complete sense why we're not talking about it, why we don't feel safe to talk about how we feel like we're not good enough or not smart enough or don't belong at work. But the problem with not talking about it is that, first of all, we are all just suffering in silence, thinking that we're uniquely deficient and lacking and falsely believing that no one else in our job or in our career or on our team feels the same way. And two, that not talking about it doesn't actually help us feel better because it doesn't address the problem, it doesn't speak to how to manage it, and it doesn't provide us with meaningful solutions and tools and strategies to overcome it. So summarizing three key things that I wanted to share with you today, just so we all understand what imposter syndrome actually is, so that we can actually start managing it. First, imposter syndrome is an inside job. It's all about the thoughts you have about yourself at an identity level. Thoughts like, I'm not good enough, I don't belong, I'm the least intelligent person here. And so overcoming imposter syndrome, as we'll talk about in subsequent episodes in the series, it requires a shift in your mindset, not a shift in what you're doing or how you're showing up at work. Think about it like this. If you truly believe, say, for example, that you're not good enough to be promoted, intrinsically and inherently, you as a human are not good enough to be promoted, and you're showing up at work every day with that belief running 
internally, whether it's consciously or unconsciously in your head, no matter how many projects you lead or deals you run successfully, meaning no matter how many actions you take or how you show up at work, you are never going to change that belief about yourself and therefore you're never going to feel worthy. Completing successful deals, running and completing successful projects does not create feelings of worthiness. Your beliefs about yourself create your feelings of worthiness. So imposter syndrome is an inside job. It requires a shift in your mindset to actually start feeling worthy and capable. Second, telling yourself to fake it until you make it is the worst thing you can do and only makes you feel worse. Because again, it's basically layering feelings of fraudulence on top of feelings of fraudulence. And third, not talking about imposter syndrome openly in the corporate environment only makes you feel worse because it means we're all suffering in silence, thinking we're uniquely deficient and falsely believing that no one else feels the same way. And not talking about it doesn't help us feel any better or provide us with meaningful solutions and strategies and tools that we need to overcome imposter syndrome in our careers for good. Thank you all for listening this week. Like I said, this is the first part of a three-part series I'm running on imposter syndrome. Next week, we're going to be talking about key myths that the corporate world perpetuates and that society has perpetuated about imposter syndrome and the real truth, what's actually going on there. And then in two weeks, we'll be back with another episode of Breaking Free from the Grind to focus on the mindset-based tools and strategies and shifts you need to make to overcome imposter syndrome for good. So So important to tune into the entire series. You will take away incredibly helpful nuggets of information so that you can start overcoming imposter syndrome in your career in finance or consulting today. And I cannot wait to continue this conversation with all of you next week, same time, same place, Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern, new episodes of Breaking Free from the Grind drop. If you enjoy what you've learned today and you find all the information I share, the same sort of tools and information and strategies I use to coach my one-on-one clients, and you found it helpful, please share Breaking Free from the Grind with other friends, colleagues, classmates that you know working in finance or consulting so that they can help themselves overcome imposter syndrome in their own careers. Because like I said, we're all feeling like frauds. (laughs) It's not just you. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, and I can't wait to catch you guys next week.